Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have... Caitlin Duncan. Yes, we do. And it was a very fun interview. Um, and I did it by myself. I know I was going to say, and I wasn't there. I really wanted to talk to Caitlin, but apparently it was a great interview. Yeah. But <laughs> it was really fun. She's yeah. really smart and super interesting. Uh, I was nervous because, you know, I need my podcast wife to do things with. <laughs> But so I feel too. I was a big girl and I handled it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, and y'all talked about, um, I wanted to talk to Caitlin just to hear what she had to say Mm -hmm. about traditional rights revision. Mm -hmm. So y'all talked about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. She she got the rights back on uh, some of her books and she just, she's just really smart and she's like just super persistent. Yeah. So cool. Mm-hmm. And then let's see, what else did y'all talk about? Um, uh, YouTube to- for authors. And then she ghost uh, wrote quite a few books. Like, mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact number, but it was a lot. Okay, cool. The beginning, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Beginning of her cool. career. So we talked about that and kind of where you can find work. And if you're interested in that, how you can get into it and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that is all very interesting. I'm looking forward to listening to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. It was good. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what's been going on with you this week? Oh, well, you know, I've been in COVID quarantine. Mm-hmm. So uh, not much. <laughs> not much. But are uh, you out I of quarantine now? Not quite. Okay. I tested negative today, but I'm still, I still have two more days before it's been 10 days. Okay. So I can't go to the hospital or anything with to see my sister until the 11th day. And, mm. um, but we, you know, that's, I'm symptom free. I've been symptom free except for the cough. Um, since I guess what's t- shoot, what's day Saturday. Since yeah. I guess Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No Wednesday, because I really have felt fine for most of the time. Um, I just been a little tired, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, I think I said on the last podcast, I was a little swimmy headed. And uh, so, yeah. Didn't we talk about it on the last mm-hmm. podcast? Yeah. yeah I, thought, I thought we did. Shoot. I can't remember. <laughs> I've already, I had COVID All the days. before I got COVID and now I've had COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I haven't really done much. I've watched some shows and um, yeah, just laid here thinking about the book that. I need to write next and figure it out quite a few things. I still have kind of a major thing to figure out, but I'm not really stressing over it. It just was, I was just laying here and I was, and it came to mind. And so I followed the thread, mm-hmm. but I'm not like forcing myself to mm-hmm. do that, but that was encouraging because I haven't yeah. really had any ideas. Um, but it's probably good that I was forced to just do nothing, but be by myself one and <laughs> lay down um for almost yeah. 10 days yeah because yeah, you've had a pretty busy and stressful yeah like I've been burning last it month or two ends. yeah I've yeah. been burning it at both ends so um yeah so that's how I'm choosing to look at it mm-hmm. um but 
I have felt like dead weight around here because, you know, my sister really wants somebody with her at the hospital all the time. And actually, mm-hmm. good news, she got moved to the rehab hospital where oh, they're good. getting her ready to come home. And she's good. doing great. And the treatment she's on, the doctor says, working great. And so good. that's all good stuff. Um, but, you know, my sister, one of my sisters just texted and said, we need a new, we need another sister. <laughs> We're all trying to figure out who can be there when. And uh, with me being out, that really yeah. left a hole because, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they're working during the day and they're, mm-hmm. you know, I've got families in, in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've abandoned mine. And, and <laughs> so, no, but yeah, it yeah. should hopefully in the next week or so, she should be able to come home. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's good news. I'm so very glad to hear it. Very, very yeah. good news. I mean, she's still really, really sick, but um, she's just not as weak as she was. So, mm-hmm. so that's good. And and she's a little bit of her old self. She mm-hmm. she was complaining. Uh, to, she's very sassy, my sister. <laughs> um, I just can't and, imagine that, Jamie. <laughs> And she was sort of, she's just sort of let them do whatever they wanted to do. And she got upset because the nurse came in and kept moving her every two hours. And she was like, listen, I'm not getting bed sores in two hours. Stop. And so uh, that was, that was kind of her own, her usual personality. And, and she's laughed a little bit because she's actually, I think she's funnier than me, but, um, (laughs) and she hadn't had much of a sense of humor. So, yeah. um, so she's a little bit more herself. So well, that's yeah. good. Well, yeah. That is good. Yeah. So we'll that's see how things go. Yeah. Um, but what's it been going on with you? You're still living I'm, it up in I'm Colorado. Still vacationing, yeah. still hiking, and um, just having a really good time. And that's I am getting great. some work done. I mean, I'm, it's like not a priority, but I'm right. getting some new words in and mm-hmm. doing some stuff on the Kickstarter. And I realized that I've may have, I mean, I don't know that you can start promoting it too early, right? but right, I was right. thinking I would start it in September and then I was uh-huh. like, Oh, Labor Day. So I probably want to wait until after Labor Day. So uh-huh. I'm going to slow roll, yeah. um, you know, cause they recommend doing contacting your audience once a week for four weeks before mm-hmm. you launch to kind of oh, build. Okay. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh wait, I've started this too early. So it'll actually be fine because I usually only email my list maybe once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. And so that way, instead of just all of a sudden emailing yeah. me, like all the time, I can right. kind of work into it. Right. right so right. working on that and that's going really well. I feel like there's not much to do now except just kind of mm-hmm. wait, wait and get things going. But I'm kind of fine tuning all the little um, mm-hmm. rewards and making sure I have everything for that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's about it. Not anything like no big news, but mm-hmm. I I really am enjoying this kind of partial downtime. It's mm-hmm. really good. And that's great. Like you said, I'm getting I have a lot of ideas and I've been able mm-hmm. to actually get some of it down on paper. So mm-hmm. really happy. That's great. So it's that's good. really good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of jealous. Um <laughs> my husband and I, I mean, we haven't really been on a vacation together. Um and Except if you count Disney, which <laughs> well, I don't know that you really mean, count. As fun as it was, it's not really a big. But if you weren't alone, <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out something that he and I can do that you know isn't mm-hmm. going to break the bank, but something mm-hmm. we can still get away and yeah, spend some time yeah. where I could work if I 
if I needed to, but yeah, right well, now been, everything has gone hold for us. So. Yeah. Well, we've been trying to do this for years. Like this has yeah. been a goal is like to go to the mountains for an extended vacation and it's just never worked out. Like we had big plans and then COVID happened and we're like, yeah. Oh, and then we had kids graduating. And we're like, Oh, that's not going to be a good time. And then we moved. So it's finally, I hope you don't have to wait this long. <laughs> as yeah. We did. Yeah. Hopefully you'll get your vacation in sooner. Right. Right. Oh, speaking of corn, uh, COVID, uh, I watched alone together. It's uh, Katie, Katie Holmes, and I can't think of the guy's name, but it wasn't very good. And here's the deal. It's about quarantine. It's about two people that get, two strangers that get stuck together during quarantine, mm-hmm. which I really thought that would be a funny idea for a book or, you know, a story. Uh-huh. It wasn't. It uh-huh. wasn't. And I don't know if it was just the story. The story to me was a little lacking or if it was just the quarantine factor, you know, the COVID maybe pandemic yeah. factor uh, yeah. that just was like, I don't want to revisit this. I know but, it's still awfully close. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's too soon. Too soon. Yeah. So um, anyway, if anybody watches it and has a different opinion, you can send me an email and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I was, uh, I, I was symptomatic when I was watching it. Yeah, so maybe yeah. not the best time to watch that right. movie. <laughs> it's a little bitter, but yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. I did see an watch an Agatha Christie. Oh, what you um, And no one, and none. Oh, wait. And none. And then there were none. And maybe? then there were none. That's yes. it. Okay. Yeah, that was it. It was on um, uh, Acorn TV. Okay, that's the new version, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I want to see that. I haven't seen. Yeah, that I was going to see if you saw it. Uh, I watched that. That was entertaining. It was really yeah. good. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we should probably get on with the interview, but. Um, I've missed you and I've missed interviewing people uh, like this. And so hope we get back to it next week. I think. Yes, I think so. So I'm looking forward to it too. It'll be good. Yeah. All right. Well, here is Caitlin. All right. Uh, Welcome Caitlin Duncan to the wish I'd known then for writers podcast. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Let me read your bio real quick, and then we'll jump into the questions. Caitlin Duncan is a multi-published author of adult and young adult fiction and has ghostwritten over 40 novels for children and adults. When she's not writing, she's obsessing over many, many television series and hanging out on YouTube where she shares her writing process and all the bookish things. And you can reach her at her website at www.caitlinduncan.com. So welcome. And um, which television series do you obsess over the most? <laughs> um, so, so many. Uh, right now I'm rewatching Down Abbey after I saw yes. the, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's my yeah, third yeah. rewatch. Um, and I'm usually like my go-tos are like The Office and Parks and Recreation oh, yes. and all the fun like half hour shows. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, a lot Parks of shows and- now don't really catch my attention that much. So I go yeah. back to the, my favorites. The good ones. Yeah. Parks and Rec just kills me yeah. all the time. It just kills me. So uh, tell us, how did you get into writing? Um, so I've always been a storyteller from a young age. Um, I always loved to make up stories and I loved watching movies and mm-hmm. thinking about how the characters would react, you know, after the movie. And like, I loved sequels and just learning more about, um, you know, their stories. And, 
um, as a millennial, we were sort of told like, you know, creativity is not a real job. Mm -hmm. So I focused on what I was good at, um, science, and I have two degrees, um, in forensic science and biology. Wow. I worked, um, for many years in a laboratory and when the big YA boom came out, you know, Twilight and and all Mm -hmm. that, like I, you know, I sort of went from, you know, chapter books to like James Patterson, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) there was that big gap. So I just devoured all of the books and, um, I saw on Twitter, I believe it was Melissa Marr at the time had mentioned she had a full-time job and I really loved her books. And I was like, oh, you can do both. Mm -hmm. So then Mm -hmm. I started writing and falling in love with writing again, um, and storytelling. And, Mm -hmm. um, then I, I sort of focused on paranormal. So that's my, my debut. Um, it was acquired in 20, um, 2012, um, and then published in 2013. So that's sort of where I started, um, really going into publishing Mm -hmm. and that was sort of a fluke. Um, I've never had an agent. Um, I responded to, on it was Karina in the U S was through Harlequin Mm -hmm. and they did a Karina UK, um, Harlequin UK. So Uh I submitted, it was digital first. Um, so unfortunately, like most of my books are digital that are traditionally published. I only have two that are, um, paperback and audio. Mm. So that's sort of my, you know, since 2013, I've been publishing regularly and like you mentioned, ghostwriting as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so interesting. Um, I'm the sort of the same way. I, I always made up stories. I always kind of finished the story that I felt like wasn't finished, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, that's really interesting. So what's your definition of success? Um, I find this was a tough question for me because I, I tend to break down like achievements when I think of success, mm-hmm. because if mm-hmm. I think of the huge picture, it just makes me a little bit, you know, overwhelmed. Yes. And I tend to like to break things down. So I would say, you know, most of my successes have come through as like publishing a book and then publishing Mm -hmm. the next book. Right. Um, But looking ahead, um, you know, I'd say if I was able to make a sustainable income, that would be very successful for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really don't know at this point if like full-time author is going to be me. Mm I would like to do it more than I do. I only work like two hours a day, like four days a week, uh, just because of my day job. And mm-hmm. um, so I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to keep it in my life and keep publishing. Mm-hmm. And I think creating more of a steady income would be my idea of success. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, you know, everybody says the the day, you know, quitting the day job is the goal. Mm-hmm. But for some people, I'm not sure it's a good move. You know, Mm -hmm. I think, and I may be one of those people, honestly. Um, and I have quit the day job, but you know, there are just some people that do better when they have other interests other than just writing. So. Yeah. And I I remember, um, you know, Becca Syme talking about Clifton strengths, um, number one intellection. And I remember, I mean, she said it a bunch of times and she's like, I really recommend like intellection, high intellection writers have something else. Yes. Because you have to sort of give that time for thinking. And I know if I was to dedicate eight hours a day, I'd probably burn out really quickly um, because I wouldn't have that other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what do you wish you'd known about writing and craft when you started? 
Um, so right from the start, when I started publishing, that sort of was my learning experience, mm-hmm. like actively learning um, mm-hmm. upfront with my writing. I really feel like I knew that books were more of a team effort. Um, I sort of found my critique group, uh, after my third book was published and I was like, oh, other people other than readers can look at your book and help you improve and not just editors. Um, so I, you know, it was very solitary for me. I was very lonely with it and I had no Mm -hmm. idea what I was really doing at that point. And like I said, my editor was a big help, but I'd say, um, I wish I would have found my tribe a bit sooner, um, because it's definitely, it's definitely helpful. And I think um, all of those early readers, whether they're beta readers, like other readers or critique partners who are writers, um, they definitely make a book so much better. Yeah. Um, yeah. From the start. Right. They really do. Um, I, I had the same experience and um, I just feel like getting somebody else's eyes. I know critique, critique groups get a little bit of a bad rap from some mm-hmm. people, but if you find the right one, they're golden. You yes. Know, I, I really feel like um, they're, they're just, for me, they were one of the best things that happened to me. Um, and so in the beginning, were all your books traditionally published? Yes. So I, okay. I lost count of how many books. Um, so I, 13 were traditionally published before I went into self-publishing. Um, because I got my rights reverted. Right. Um, which we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so what do you wish you'd known about marketing then when you got your books back? Oh, when I got my books back or yeah. before that? <laughs> well, before that. And yeah. then when you got your books back. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I was traditionally publishing, like I really, I really wish I knew that they just don't take the book and just throw all the marketing money at it. Yeah. Like the, yeah. I, uh, so many authors, even now, like I feel like it's such, well, I have to say now is a little better because they're, you know, sort of opening up the gates a little bit Mm -hmm. at a time in terms of like transparency. Um, But I really wish, you know, I knew how much work I had to do and I would have done more up front. You know, I had to pay for like all of my blog tours and stuff like that. And I, like I said, I didn't really have my tribe yet. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that's what we had to do. And I was, you know, gravely mistaken. Mm -hmm. So, um, when it comes to marketing my self-published books, um, you know, I would love to know more about advertising. Yeah. Um, but you know, I just I don't know if I'm the the person to do right. that with all the right. the data and stuff like that. But right. um, yeah, I just I'm I'm sort of now that I have my tribe, I'm sort of making my way with with marketing. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Yeah, um, data is a tricky thing. Because mm. I'm not good with data, but I'm pretty good at marketing. I mean, you know, advertising my books, yeah. but I just, it's kind of like Becca talks about, I just kind of know if an ad's working and then I kill it if it's not. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I know enough probably yeah. to be dangerous, uh, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're very intuitive, I think, right? With yes, a lot of I that am stuff. Super yeah. Intuitive, yeah. 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 And um that's good and bad, you know, because <laughs> you can be wrong, I guess. Mm. Um, so what assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career? And then looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong? Um, I mean, I'm going to bring it back to not getting, you know, marketing from my yeah. publisher and, and all that. And um, 
that was definitely wrong for me, um, mm-hmm. but obviously it helped me succeed uh, later on once I sort of got on the train with it. Right, right. Um, and yeah, I just, I just, I was wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm working hard to to sort of make up for it too. I think a lot of people make that assumption though, especially if they go try to publish, you know, they just think, oh, well, they'll take care of that and they'll yeah. handle that or they'll hold my hand through that. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really happen. It, I, I've never done it, but my, you know, from what I hear from most people is that doesn't really happen. Yeah. That and also be- like with, with Chad too, it's very much um, front list. And mm-hmm. that's something I discuss mm-hmm. in my book is like front list versus back list. I always, you know, you just sort of like have to keep writing to, to stay up to speed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had all these books behind me and that's when I started to like question a lot of things like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm on my fifth book. Great. But what about <laughs> these books that I, you know, wrote a couple of years ago? Like, yeah. what, what can we do for them? And it was, ever, you know, it was always like, oh, just the next, the next, the next book. And mm-hmm. I totally understand that that's the way that mm-hmm. um, that machine works. But mm-hmm. um, that was sort of, you know, when I started to question everything. Right. You know, ironically, I think that even indie publishing kind of has been that way until recently. I feel like, especially with rapid release and all of that, you know, it's all about that next book. And I feel, I feel like there's been a, a switch. Sarah and I've talked about this. Um, There's been like a bit of a switch in mindset in that now people are trying to focus more on the backlist to kind of sustain your income until you get that next book out and, um, and, and capitalizing on it. And, um, that's always, because I mean, that's your asset, you know, Mm -hmm. those are your assets. So I think that's always good to think about. Um, have you ever made a mistake that turned out to be a good thing? Uh, I would say yes. You know, thinking about this question, I just, I'm, I just always talk about it when I can, because I'm like, please don't make my mistake. But um, because I was with a digital first publisher, you know, we could pump out books relatively fast. Like mm-hmm. I could do two to three books a year. Mm-hmm. They didn't care, you know, whatever I could do based on my schedule. Because like I said, I, I was working too. Um, but I just, I kept publishing sort of like on a whim, like, mm-hmm. oh, I have an idea for this story. Let's write it. And then they're like, okay, let's publish it and stuff. And that's fine. But I, I really jumped from different genres under one name. Mm-hmm. And it just is totally biting me now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that's my biggest mistake. But how it's turned into a good thing for me is I really found what I want to be writing. I sort oh, yeah. of took like a really long path <laughs> to that. But, um, you know, sort of writing in all these different genres, I I found my general themes. Um, mm-hmm. I found what tone I like. So I like dark-toned uh, women's issues. And then I'm sort of diving into like mental health as well because I don't, I don't really see a lot of books that like talk about mental health for like the protagonist, that's mm-hmm. not like a twist. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just people live with certain things and they can be protagonists too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have mm-hmm. challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like uh, I'm undiagnosed um, ADD. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I know there's a lot of challenges and I just never really see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of writing all of those books sort of just pulled out the threads that I love. And now mm-hmm. I'm just 
just writing, um, well, other than my nonfiction, but my fiction is just like dark psychological thrillers. So um, I guess I can't have any regrets about it, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so it turned out to be a good thing. Well, I love that. I love that, that you could kind of make that because that is a challenge for people writing different genres under one name. It's super, it, it is super challenging, but I love how you can pull that all together and write, find out what it is you love to write. And yeah. uh, that's great. That's, that's really great. Uh, what's the biggest mindset mindset change uh, you had to make during your career? Um, the biggest mindset change sort of came in 2020 as a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. things changed. But um, right before that, I was releasing my final book in one of my contracts and I was thinking about options. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I did pr- I did pretty well with two of my women's fiction books. Um, mm-hmm. One's a festive romance uh, wrapped up for Christmas, festive romance wi- women's fiction. And the other one is Barefoot on the Beach. It's like a summer uh, mm-hmm. women's fiction. So <clears throat> um, I was looking ahead and just realizing, you know, I had a big um, episode of like burnout, my first huge one in 2020. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't mm-hmm. write for months. And then I was sort of like, I sort of want control. Like I, I, I want more control over this. I, didn't really want to publish women's fiction anymore. Um, I enjoyed writing it and I loved the books that I wrote, but I just really was leaning toward wanting to get an agent and Mm -hmm. writing my dark thrillers. And, um, you know, I tried that whole thing, but I ended up self-publishing, but it's just the mindset of control. Like I, there's just so many things out of your control with traditional publishing. And while Mm -hmm. it's, great like you know both both indie and traditional have their pros and cons yeah but, um, absolutely. absolutely yeah I just wanted at that point in my career after 13 books I was ghostwriting a lot and I was just like I think I just need to try this other path on my own um and we'll see how it works out <laughs> yeah yeah and have you been happy with that decision I'm assuming you have yes I have been very happy and um like I said I did, um, for this book coming up in October, Her Buried Lives, I did actually query it uh-huh. in 2021, mm-hmm. maybe the end of 2022, sorry, the end of 2020 and into 2021. And um, I had a really good response, um, but it was so uh, volatile, mm-hmm. um, you know, with traditional publishing that like a lot of agents weren't getting back. They were overwhelmed, overworked, mm-hmm. and they just... I don't know if they knew where to fit me. Right. And that's one of those other things that turned out to be a good thing is that I sort of write in genres, but like a little bit outside, like I add that little extra something that I don't see a lot Mm -hmm. um, in in terms of um, some of my books. So I just felt like it was too Mm -hmm. non-market, was not marketable in the traditional market, but in the, it's like, you know you can publish pretty much anything, but as long as, you know, it's published well. Um, So yeah, my mindset change was, was definitely more control. And I I feel really good about that decision. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize how much of a control freak I was until I started publishing. And Mm -hmm. again, I've never even queried or anything, but the thought of someone else making decisions about my book um, 
it, it kind of makes me get that little tight feeling in your chest, you know, that you get yes. when right before you run screaming through the house. So yeah. uh, I think that, yeah, it would be um, kind of tricky for me. So let's talk about um, your book. Take back your book is what it's called. And it's about mm-hmm. getting your, tr- your traditional rights reversed yes. and, and getting those back. So first of all, how, um, when did you decide you wanted your rights back? Um, um, well, I've been tracking, um, my first books. I actually have a spreadsheet of like all my books and I track, you know, how much, uh, they're selling and things like that. And with <clears throat> traditional royalty reports, like it's very broad. So like yeah. you, you don't get any breakdown of stores or anything. So like I was trying to promote books and I couldn't, you know, I, I had hired a um, <clears throat> an advertising person to help me and she did fantastic mm-hmm. with my women's fiction. But um, I just, uh, I just wasn't happy with what I was getting at the time. So I looked into rights reversion on my contract and I realized my first book was up. Um, so I just, you know, wrote a letter to an email to the head of um, HQ digital, um, which transitioned from Karina. And I just asked for it back and they ended up giving me all three books back because oh, it really wouldn't well, make yeah. sense. Yeah for me to like republish. Um, and I wouldn't have republished until I got them all back, but I was like, Oh, this is cool. So then I had the books back and, um, I didn't really know what to do. So then I, you know, sort of went into self-publishing spiral and just learning everything about that. So, um, and then talking to a lot of authors, I realized that many people didn't know about that rights Mm -hmm. reversion and, you know, books that aren't selling. So then I just, people were like, oh, you should, you know, talk about this more. And I was like, huh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just, it's basically like the book is like half self-help, half memoir. Cause it's mm-hmm. just me pouring out everything I knew about it. Um, right. And just trying to reach out to those. Maybe my ideal reader for that book was basically me like mm-hmm. years and years ago, just trying mm-hmm. to give all the information so you can make, um, you know, a choice mm-hmm. and what, you know, you make those choices. And then if you want to change it, mm-hmm. you know, with the reversion clause, you can, um, yeah. in the future if things change. Yeah. Um, I, I love, um, it says in part of the description says in this book, you'll find the basics of right reversion, what to do when your book with your book after you get your rights back, which I think is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, how to republish your book, long-term considerations for your author business and backlist, and stories from authors successfully reverting and republishing their books. So um, if anybody's thinking about doing that or thinking they want to do that, this book definitely would be for you. Um, we're not necessarily, that's not what we had Caitlin on today to just plug her book, but I think it's really important because a lot of people don't know um, how to do that. They don't know um, like the pitfalls of doing like you, what, let's say you get three books back or let's say you get 10 books back. How do you recover republic? I mean, you know, that's a lot of money and a lot of things to consider. And um, cause you can't, use their covers, correct? Uh, usually not. Um, yeah. Some people have asked and 
they usually have to pay for the cover. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, if it's been years, yeah. your cover is probably out of style anyway. Correct. Correct. Um, but yeah, that those are a lot of considerations. And it's it's kind of funny going from like I have my product creation mm-hmm. set because I've been publishing and I know like the process. Right. Self-publishing was just so much. There's so many uh minute details. And this is, so Her Buried Lives is my third self-published book. Mm -hmm. And I was still like tweaking formatting and I'm really diving into that stuff. So it's just, it's so much upfront. And, you know, through the book, I talk about considerations. Like, do you want to even republish it? Is it part of your brand anymore? If you do, these are the things you you should be doing. And most of the time when you get your rights reverted, that book is publishable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's been like 10 years, maybe there's a few things in there that aren't really, you know, you don't talk about anymore or something yeah. like that. You can always look for content wise, but right. you know, you can easily just find a pre-made cover and, and publish if you wanted. Right. Um, but there's so many options once you've right. gone out of rights reversion. Right, right, right. What are the biggest challenges you think about getting the rights back? Um, I'd say the challenges would be if they say no. because Mm -hmm. sometimes um publishers will so for instance i have a series of um like contemporary fantasy books with Mm -hmm. hq about mermaids so this Mm -hmm. was a three novella series and i asked for the rights back and they decided to like recover and re-release them Mm -hmm. so they have every right to do that as the publisher because they have all the rights so Mm -hmm. If you're really wanting those books back, that can be a challenge. Correct. Um, and you know, in in the book, um, my friend Terry, she's she's talking about. I think it took her like many many years to get her books reverted. So it's just it just depends on you know that curtain that traditional publishing is. We don't know what they're doing on their end, right. um, you know, in, in the background for selling books and stuff. So I'd say the only challenge is just. Um, them saying no, but then you could also be persistent on the other end, you know, say, okay, well, I'll follow up in six months. You know, did you deliver on what you said you were going right, to right. cover? Did you put a marketing push? Right. Um, so I always feel like I can turn it around mm-hmm, <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like all is not lost, even right. though it sometimes feels that way. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Squeaky wheel gets the oil. Yes. So they say, but also the onus is back on you mm-hmm. to follow up and make sure they're doing what they said they were going to do, which yes. is good practice for self-publishing since <laughs> we have all the responsibility ourselves. Yes. So let's talk about your YouTube channel uh, for mm-hmm. authors. Um, I've actually seen it and didn't know it. Uh, when <laughs> Sarah um, said that we were having you on, I was like, that name is familiar. And I looked and yeah, I had watched it a few episodes because I'm always like going in there trying to find out something new. Yeah. So how did you get started with that? What's the kind of tell people what the premise is and what you like to give uh, your, what your viewers. Yeah. I, um, I had been wanting to start a YouTube channel for years prior to starting. I just, I was like every pre YouTuber where you're like, I don't have the right equipment. I don't have lighting. I don't like yeah. the way I look. I you know, <laughs> want to get a haircut, stuff like that. Um, so I had a lot of insecurities about that. And I just decided one day, I think I was watching a video that like, you can start with your smartphone, um, or your, you Uh know, iPhone or anything like that. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just try it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I had so much fun doing it. I started in 2019 and I started with writing vlogs because that's what I love to watch. Mm-hmm. I love watching other writers process. And I started there and then I sort of leaned into some like advice videos and then interviews and stuff like that. So pretty much the the premise of the channel is, you know, my writing process and all the bookish things because that umbrella of bookish mm-hmm. things sort of encompasses it all. So um, you can find many different things up there. I talk about ghostwriting too mm-hmm. um, and, you know, rights reversion and just seeing, actually, I haven't watched my earlier videos, but um, <laughs> I was very ambitious at the beginning and I, you know, could slow down since then, but it's interesting to sort of chronicle uh, yeah. my writing, my feelings yeah. and stuff. Cause I try to be as honest as possible, yeah. um, without being like too negative, but you know, there are times where we struggle and, you right. know, it's not all, you know, pretty pictures on Instagram or mm-hmm. excitement on TikTok. It's just, um, it can be hard sometimes. So yeah. I like to try to be honest with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to do one. And then I started like making a list. I was like, what if I forget something? What if I give people bad advice? What if I, you know, I mean, you know, it was like, but you're right. You should, if you want to do it, you should just do it. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, you can always take something down if it wasn't correct or whatever, but. Um, yeah. Well, editing is great. I love editing. Yeah. I sound yeah. so great at the end, <laughs> but seeing the process of me is like, I was so heavily scripted in the beginning. Cause I just, I forget the second yeah. I look at something and then I tried with like a teleprompter, but then my eyes were looking. <laughs> It's a lot of trial and error, but I have to say, like, looking at myself in 2019 and now, I'm so much more confident talking to people and giving presentations Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I think, you know, even if the videos, you know, don't go viral, which they haven't, um, it's really helped me as a person. Right. Well, Well, and and you give good advice. I mean, uh, oh, thank you. you Really good (laughs) advice. And so I think that that's important too, um, because especially for newer authors or, or authors like who've been around for a while that are looking for rights reversion information, you know, it's great to have that somewhere you can find it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about ghostwriting. How did you get into ghostwriting? Um, So 2015, I had a child Mm -hmm. and um, I was very fortunate enough to stay home um, and about three months in, I was very bored. Um, <laughs> and I had just, um, published a book, I think later that year. So I was doing revisions when I was postpartum, which is not recommended. I would yeah, never yeah, recommend yeah. that. No, no. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, what can I do like to supplement some income, but also mm-hmm. like stay creative. And yeah. I really, um, my publisher wasn't really publishing YA anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was like, a sort of dilemma uh, mm-hmm. or parent why paranormal which I was writing at the time right so um a friend of mine uh sin blog she's a YA writer and ghostwriter um I noticed on her Facebook she was talking about ghostwriting and I messaged her and I was like what is this about and she explained it to me and then she helped me get on upwork um upwork.com mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which is where a majority of my ghostwriting was and I just I started with some easy jobs. I didn't get paid a lot. I, this is like one of my other mistakes. I wrote a 35,000 word book for like $35 or $25. And it was crazy, (laughs) but I got five stars. So then I started doing some of these jobs like for really cheap, um, just to get my feet wet. And then I got a whole bunch of five stars and I was able to like, start getting those bigger, Mm -hmm. more, you know, better paying jobs. So 
I really enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed the ones that they're like, here's an outline, write the book um, mm. versus me, because I found some of them to be very creative, creatively draining. Mm-hmm. If I had to like think up the idea, you know, cause they'll give me yeah. like a vague premise and then outline and then all that. So um, I worked uh, with them Upwork, different clients. I had some consistent clients. Some of them I wrote like over 15 books for each. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to work for relay publishing. Um, mm-hmm. And then at that point, I think it was about three solid years that I was doing that on top of publishing. And it mm-hmm. was just too much creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, you know, my child and everything, thing and growing up and stuff. And I wanted to be there. So, um, but it was a great experience and I mm-hmm. sort of moved this past year into nonfiction, mm-hmm. um, for people. So that, that was really fun. Cause I got to like encompass their voice and their mm-hmm. information and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's great. I, I, it, it was definitely good for me to kind of, you know, write the book, hand it off. You're done. Mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. publishing where you have to do all of the things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it made you better or faster as a writer? It definitely made me faster. Mm -hmm. Um, and I liked getting other people's feedback other than like professional editors, like, you know, from the clients themselves. So that was a big learning experience, but Mm -hmm. I mean, on my good days, I was 6,000 words a day, every day, which, you know, caused a couple of bouts of burnout, but (laughs) you know, but I, I learned, I learned my limit. I learned where I could go, where Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have known that otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Um, So if people are interested in doing this, would you recommend Upwork? I mean, I would, I haven't done it in a couple of years, but uh, I feel like a lot of people are still on there. I guess Reedsy has some as well. Oh yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can also, you know, put it on your website, but I was really just working through Upwork because you know, just in terms of pay and stuff, they, if someone says they're going to pay you and they don't Upwork, will figure it out. Yeah. You know, versus yeah. like if someone, we did it behind the scenes, it wouldn't have been um, uh, covered. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have that middleman to make sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, they take their cut, you yeah. know, but it's, you know, I just prefer that. Well, that's great. That's great. So this has been so interesting. I really, really enjoyed this interview. Um, So tell everybody what you think the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success has been. Um, wow. Best thing I've done. I think just informing myself. Yeah. Um, more and more, like there's no ceiling to the information that's out there. Um, for publishing, traditional mm-hmm. or self-publishing, mm-hmm. you know, we're constantly changing. And I feel like the more you are able to ebb and flow with the industry, I think the more successful you will be um, instead of, you know, some people who are very rigid and just do the same things. They, I'm sure they can be successful, mm-hmm. but I just think even like looking into other people, like, you know, Joanna Penn, for instance, looking mm-hmm. into like AI and all that and you know, I keep my mind open to that stuff, but you know, right. I only have so many hours in the day, right, right, but right. it's, it's nice to just have that information, be able to connect with other authors. And mm-hmm. I would say, hopefully that leads to, to bigger and better success. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, not that you asked, but I would say that just listening to you, I really love how you've taken, I mean, you kind of epitomize what this podcast is about, you know, what mm-hmm. you wish you'd known, like, yeah. You've done things 
you've learned from those experiences and therefore that has changed a little bit of the trajectory of what you're doing for the better. Like Mm -hmm. you've, you know, you were writing 6,000 words a day, you burnt out. Now, you know, you can do that, but you won't do, you know, you don't do that unless you have to kind of thing. And, (laughs) you know, now you, you know, you wrote a bunch of things under pen name, different pen or same pen name, but now you know exactly what you want to write. And I, I just think that that's, being flexible and being willing to learn from things mm-hmm. is super important too. And I think you've really done that. And I appreciate that. So oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. You're <laughs> welcome. So tell us the name of the book again and where everybody can find it. So uh, take back your book and author's guide to rights reversion and publishing on your terms is available wide. Um, mm-hmm. So it's available in uh, ebook, uh, paperback, hardback and audiobook. Okay. And where can so. people find you? Uh, you can find me at my website, CaitlinDuncan.com. Um, I'm sure you'll have it in the show yes, notes. Yes, we'll have it all so, in Because it's spelled a little yep. different. So mm-hmm. you can find me there. I'm on YouTube, obviously. Um, feel free to follow me there. And my main social platform is YouTube, but I do jump on Instagram every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I do have a newsletter that comes out bi-weekly on my website. Um, that's where you'll, you'll get me more often is my that's newsletter. Great. So right. if you're interested in that. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Well, this has been so fun. Thank you so yeah. much for being here. Thanks for listening today, everybody. And you can find all the links in the show notes at wish I'd known then podcast.com. Thank you to Alexa Larberg uh, for editing the podcast and for Adriel Wiggins for all the admin. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the wish I'd known then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.